Welcome to the Fantasy Zone Podcast with Ralph Mazone and Evan DePauli as your captains on the deck. Strap yourselves in for we are about to take off into the unknowns of fantasy sports deep space. Together we will explore the eons of fantasy information and challenge unknown dangers to bring our fantasy rosters out of the black holes. Episodes coming Tuesday and Friday on the podcast sections of Spotify, Apple, and Google. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. It is... Friday, November 13th, Friday the 13th, for those who may be superstitious. Uh, we have an exciting show for you guys today. We have a Thursday night recap with injury updates, matchup previews for all Sunday games and the Monday night game, as well as the line challenge and questions from our listeners. But first up, of course, Thursday night recap. Evan, what do you got for us? Hi, Ralph. Um, so I watched that whole game um, between the Titans and the Colts uh, last night, and um, uh, there was some interesting, uh, interesting play calls that really made me scratch my head, though they were effective. Um, it seemed like, to me, uh, the Colts, to my surprise, were the more well-rounded team uh, compared to the Titans. Um, if you look at special teams, they obviously uh, dominated them. A blocked punt for a touchdown will do that. Um, the offense with the Rivers, to my surprise, was rolling. Like they were moving the ball really well, and the Titans. I mean, we had doubts about their defense, and they showed up uh, and they reared their ugly head uh, yesterday. Um, Henry ended up with 103 rushing yards, which is pretty good. And like, for fantasy points uh, purposes, you'll take that. Um, but uh, he didn't seem to dominate the game as he usually did. I don't know if it's because they were trailing or what whatnot, but uh, if I had to choose between the running backs on the Colts and Henry, um, I would definitely say that the running backs on the Colts, uh, the, even though it was kind of a committee, um, outperformed Henry. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Well, I mean, it was funny because I was watching, I was also watching this game and I, what I messaged to you was that fourth down was the new thir- third down for the Colts. I don't know how many times they attempted plays on fourth down, and they were actually being successful catching the Titans off guard on a couple of those plays. And maybe it's due to the fact that the Titans didn't have that imposing a defense, and analytics were putting the Colts in favor in all these situations, but it really did pay off for them, and... And it was fun to watch. Like you said, they were they looked m- more well-rounded, especially offensively, with Hines being as efficient that he was, uh, much to the chagrin of Taylor owners. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I thought that the game was one-sided. It was, I think, special teams played a huge thing in that. But also for the... Titans. I mean, John O. Smith getting a rush touchdown, and Deontay Foreman coming back to life with a touchdown of his own. Like that already, you know, put a hamper in the fantasy outlook of both. You know, Derrick Henry, who finished off with a modest game, 103 rush yards, one catch. 
you know, for 11.9 fantasy points PPR. But A.J. Brown's the one that really disappointed fantasy managers. Just one catch for 21 receptions on like the second play. And then that drop pass on what would have been what looks like a sure 70-yard touchdown. That would have been so great. Yeah, yeah, that that was a bummer because um, he, he was open and he had a chance to catch it and it bounced off him and then he had another chance to catch it and he somehow managed to keep his feet in and he dropped it again and I think fantasy managers everywhere and, and DFS players were just like, come on, man. And he was pretty upset with himself on the bench too. I don't know if you saw, but he, he was not happy. Well, I mean, I can imagine Tannehill was probably the first one to be upset since he took like a massive hit just to deliver that ball for him to drop it, right? Craziness. I think at this point we know um, the truth about the Titans, which is that um, they were doing well, they were undefeated, uh, and then they got the Steelers who beat them. And since then they haven't looked like the same team. Whenever they meet a team that uh, is at least equal or superior to them, they... They don't look, they look inferior. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's just the impression I get from this Titans team. They're, they're more pretenders than contenders. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because they have a lot of nice pieces there. It's just defensively, can they stop the more high-powered offenses? And that's probably where I will agree with you with that they're a pretender is that defensively they cannot hold their own. But okay. let's move on to the real elephant in the room, which is the Indianapolis Colts backfield. Like, so one week is Jordan Wilkins, one week is uh, Jonathan Taylor, and then one week is Naheem Hines. Like, what's going on here, Evan? Well, uh, Taylor might be getting the snaps, but he's not really getting the ball. I don't have the exact numbers, but Hines had um, clearly all the touches. Um, he turned it into two touchdowns, and uh, how many yards did he finish with? He finished well, with, he well, he got like five receptions in the game, too. I think it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yards. he ended up with almost 30, 28.5 uh, fantasy points. So uh, it seems like Frank Reich is going to uh, go with the hot hand here. Many coaches do. I really thought Wilkins would uh, keep the main role, but. Uh, I guess that went out the window uh, yesterday. And Evan, you know, to your benefit, T.Y. Hilton got himself <laughs> 40 yards. The trend continues. So that's now uh, 19 straight games, uh, less than 100 receiving yards, though he saw his grandmother, and supposedly a big game is coming, according to T.Y. Hilton. His grandmother believes in him, so that's very good. Well, I mean, if he's anything like my grandmother, and he, you know, nice big plate of pasta, and I'm sure <laughs> I'll have a great game coming up. 100%. Of course. All right, so I think that's pretty much it from this Thursday night game. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I'm going to point out uh, for a deep stash, Michael Pittman, uh, seven receptions on eight targets, over 100 yards receiving, 19.2 fantasy points. He's, he's got this, this ability to edge out uh, Campbell and Pascal for that number two uh, role. And honestly, I don't even think Hilton is a number one anymore. So Pittman uh, going forward... Uh, could have some good playoff matchups too as a deep stash. Uh, the air yards were there, which is great. So uh, go pick him up if he's available. He should be available. Great advice. All right, so now we'll move on to the injury updates. Uh, I'll start off with a few players here. Chris Carson with his foot injury. He's been practicing. Um, but 
we're not really sure. Is he in, not in? We're going to have to monitor that situation over the course of the weekend. Well, um, for Carson, what I heard was that him and Hyde are both true game-time decisions, which has been thrown around a lot lately for many running backs and other players. But um, if Carson's in, then the other Seattle running backs are, are not uh, viable options anymore. So please, that'll clear up that backfield. Well, yeah, if they're both out, then I'm guessing DJ Dallas has uh, opportunity again. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, the Rams are pretty good run defense, though, so I don't know if I'd be comfortable starting DJ Dallas anyways, but uh, hopefully Carson can go and uh, clarify that backfield. Next, we have Christian McCaffrey. He's out for this week, like we expected. Uh, Matt Rule said that he hopes he plays next week. Many of the people that I follow uh, also seem to think that there's a realistic chance that you could get McCaffrey back next week. So that would be... And like we said in the last show, the two-week timeline in an AC joint sprain uh, in the shoulder. So uh, it is possible. And uh, so if you have Mike Davis, now's your chance to uh, get what you can for him. Yeah, try to capitalize on another big game and then try to sell him as a potential RB2, right? I don't know. If- I don't know if that'll work as an RB2. I mean, people know that his value is basically uh, zero if McCaffrey's in, but the McCaffrey owner might want to pay a little more. I know I had some discussions with our league mate about getting Davis, but at the end of the day, uh, he kind of wanted uh, Robinson or Aaron Jones, so that didn't really go through. No, that that generally won't go through very <laughs> well. All right, next up we have Devonta Freeman. Um, he hasn't been practicing. He was actually placed on the IR so he will be out for this weekend so expect more Wayne Gallman alright I got Debo Samuel uh, he's out uh, his hamstring is still bothering him and Shanahan said that he is really not sure when they will get him back so if you've been patient and hung on to him this long looks like you have a decision to make soon with the playoffs coming up if you can afford to stash him on your bench for any longer even uh, like I have Reem Mostert here, and him too. He's he won't be playing this weekend, but he he's hopeful. The coach is actually hopeful for him to come back, and actually he would be a good target to try to trade for if you can try to catch that Mostert owner that's a little bit frustrated. I tried to catch the Mostert owner in that position, but he would not budge. He's actually quite excited to get Mostert back, so that was very unfortunate on that part. I would say to start um, this week McKinnon against the Saints, but the Saints actually have a pretty good defense lately. It was just the beginning where they were struggling. Uh, So with this 49ers backfield, it's really a buyer beware. All right, who do we got next? Justin Jackson uh, ruled out. It's going to be the Kalen Balaj and Trumaine Hope show uh, this week. And don't forget about Joshua Kelly. Don't don't disrespect. Well, I haven't I haven't forgot about him, but it seems like the coach has because he prefers the other two guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, you want to take the next one, Ralph? Yeah, Allen Robinson. He popped up on the injury report with an ankle issue. Uh, limited participant. But he's a little bit on the fence for being in and out. I haven't seen really any updates today about that, but we will be monitoring definitely monitor this throughout the weekend. David Montgomery, uh, he got a concussion in the last game. Uh, he hasn't practiced all week, though they say there's a chance he plays. But usually with these concussion protocol cases, if the player hasn't practiced by the end of the week, uh, it doesn't bode well for their chances of playing. This is a Monday nighter, so there is one extra day for him to get out of the concussion protocol. 
but uh, again, the Monday night game also has that risk because if he's not going to play, then you don't really have many options to replace him with. Um, if you're the Montgomery owner, you need to go out and see if Ryan Nall is out there. I know I picked him up in a league today, and he should see lots of the ball. He's huge. He's over 240 pounds, and he can catch the ball two out of the backfield, so he could be a good replacement. If, if you're going to roll the dice with Montgomery, make sure you have uh, Nall on the bench. Yeah, next up on the injury report that we have here is someone who's in the exact situation as him, but he is confirmed out. That would be David Johnson, and this paves the way for Duke Johnson to assume the lead back role in Houston, and we'll be talking more about that later in the matchup previews. DJ uh, Chark. Um, he's got an illness which is supposedly not COVID-related, uh, though we heard this with a few other players, and it ended up being COVID-related, so... I would plan to not have him. Uh, he didn't practice, but again, that could just be because they're being uh, cautious with the illness. Uh, I really don't have any other information on him. Ralph, I don't know if you know something. No, not at this moment. Uh, but next up now will be uh, everyone's favorite tight end to pick up and play, Irv Smith from the Vikings. He has a groin issue. He hasn't been practicing, but uh, everyone's saying that he's looking better mobility-wise, so there might be a chance that he could play on Sunday. I mean, he's just a wave-wire guy anyways. You could pivot to anyone else, really. Yeah. All these tight ends that bottom are touchdown dependent anyways. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Mark Ingram. Uh, he practiced for the first time all week uh, Friday. Uh, he's questionable. Um, I don't know if the coach sounded optimistic or not, but I do know that if he plays uh, a messy running back situation in Baltimore, just got way worse. So we'll probably get to that later on in the show. All right, next up, we got uh, good news from for Philly fans because Sanders and Jeffrey look like they're both on track to play, which is great because you know all I could hear from Eagles fans for the first half of the season was how decimated they were by injuries, and now. They have probably never been this healthy ever. All they're missing is Zach Ertz. So we'll get to see what this offense looks like full stride. Uh, Kenny Galladay, keep it short, he was ruled out. Um, he might play next week, but again, they're not sure. Next, I'll also go with TJ Hawkinson. Um, new information said that he was in uh, this week. Yeah, and uh, so we have also Matt Breida. He's potentially going to be, he's been practicing, so he's questionable, but he might be jumping into also another messy running back situation. So that's something to monitor, maybe as something as a desperation play. And also we have Joe Mixon that has not been practicing, although there has been no setbacks, but it looks like there are no rush to bring him back. Yeah, I heard that uh, Mixon wants to play, but this is one of those scenarios similar to Aaron Jones where they're trying to manage the injury. Um, I guess the, the Bengals aren't really going to make the playoffs this year, so I guess they don't see the, the point in rushing it, and Giovanni's playing well, so uh, yeah. All right, Nick Chubb, probably the most interesting name on this list. Uh, he's been practicing for a good chunk of the week um, without a knee brace. Uh, he might have to play with a knee brace, though he'd prefer not to. Um, there were reports today that said he was in, that he was good to go, but then in the last couple hours, um, they still had him on IR uh, pending a meeting with the medical staff. It's still looking good. Like, if you have Chubb, um, you should plan as if he's going to play, but it doesn't seem like it's 100% confirmed yet. Next here on the list we have here is Henderson for the little LA Rams. 
Uh, he's been practicing, and McVeigh says that he's in, but we should still monitor for the official reports. As well, we also have Drake, who actually has been practicing as well, and but he will be a game time decision. And next on the list, Evan, Antonio Gibson. He will play. Um, now that Alex Smith is in, there's a bit of uh, sharing of touches with J.D. McKissick, who's performed well. Uh, he got over 10 targets last week in the passing game. So something to keep an eye on. But Gibson is the touchdown guy. He's got touchdowns in five of his last seven games. All right, so next we got here Jerry Judy and Noah Fent. Um, coach was pretty optimistic that Judy will play. He's the one that was more at risk. Fant looks like he's ready to go. Uh, Judy was more at risk with his ailments, but like I said, the coach, he's in. So play him. Jerry Judy, here's an interesting stat for you guys. He's got the most air yards in the last couple of weeks. Um, they're losing, so I guess Drew Locke has been chucking it, and Judy's the recipient. It's been interesting because Drew Locke's been getting the job done. He's been making fantasy-relevant uh, wide receivers. You don't need superstar Cortland Sutton to make the quarterback relevant. The quarterback is making everyone else relevant, which is really nice to see. Yeah, Drew Locke's performing well. Uh, John Brown practiced. He should be in. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have here on the Patriots' side, Nikhil Harry and Damian Harris. They're limited um, during practice, and they're both questionable. We'll see how this happens. We'll see what happens. Sony Michelle's also whispers that he might be coming back. That'll be an even more messy backfield than it currently is, which seems impossible. <laughs> Did you know that the Patriots have 17 players with a questionable designation for Sunday's game? Wow. I guess there's a lot of questions yeah. on that roster, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like how they almost lost to the Jets. Oh, boy. That's, that's All right, not shots bad fired, shots fired. <laughs> yeah. All right, so next, I think we have here a bunch of COVID-related news. So Hardman was put on COVID IR, but he's on a buy, so that really doesn't affect his playing time this weekend. Next one is interesting, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he was a close contact of Vance McDonald, who did get COVID. He sat next to him on the plane. He's been testing uh, negative all week. The Steelers today said they expect him off the COVID list Saturday where he's going to go through an extended walkthrough and he should play barring uh, an unforeseen positive COVID test. Yeah, the next couple, we're just going to go through them quickly. The Browns, they had a COVID positive test, but they've been testing and it caused the facilities closed, but they've been testing and everything looks okay. So the facilities are back open. The game, I don't believe, will be at risk. And then a couple of San Fran players, uh, Kendrick Bourne and Brandon Ayuk. Um, they were both cleared from the COVID IR and they both practiced and I and I expect them both to be in. Next we have LaVisca Cheneau who did not practice and is out. We have Alan Lazard who did not practice. Uh, he's dealing with soreness in a core muscle. Um, he was supposed to be back two weeks ago. Now I know the Green Bay medical staff is uh, extra cautious. We saw with Aaron Jones um, there are reports that he's 50-50, but it does seem like he's trending towards uh, not playing this week out of out of caution. All right, and the last one on our list is uh, Tevin Coleman, who's always injury who's always injury prone. So, you know, it's no surprise he ends up on the injury report. He hasn't practiced, and we think he's going to be out. It's going to be another dose of Jerk McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty. Excellent. Well done, Ralph. Yeah.
That was a long list. Uh, yeah, and getting longer by the week. Uh, yeah. So next up, we'll go into matchup previews. Want to start us off? Sure. Yeah. All right. So the first game I have on my list here is Houston versus Cleveland over under a 49. The weather's a little bit of a concern, a little bit windy, which uh, causes, which will definitely affect uh, matchups if it, the wind turns out to be stronger than it's projected to be at now. Looking from the Houston side, they're going to be facing off against a Cleveland defense that's actually been performing well. You know, they're 19th against running backs, um, 10th against quarterbacks, which, you know, it's somewhere to exploit them. But where they're most exploitable is at wide receiver, where they're fifth in wide receiver points against at 29.6. What does this mean? Well, Cooks, Fuller, start them. They're combining for 50% of the targets. And I think they're going to be full go and expect a big player too from the both of them. They're going to be really good. Uh, Randall Cobb, their third option in that wide receiver core. I would consider him a deep flex just because the nature of this game, I would expect Cleveland to slow the clock down with their running game that it might leave uh, limited opportunities for Cobb. But if it's desperation, I wouldn't mind it too much. From the running back perspective, uh, well, we know that DJ is out. So Duke Johnson, you're in, buddy. He is a, definitely a very good flex option, even probably a good RB2 option. Um, and here's an interesting stat. He's had no double-digit carries since 2016. So this is going to be the wow. first time in a very long time that uh, we get to see Duke out there uh, carrying the rock consistently. And let's not forget, it's a revenge game for him against his old team, the Cleveland Browns. So, and then, well, we move on to the tight ends. I mean, if you're in a deeper league, Starren Fells could be an interesting start. Uh, the defense of the Houston, you definitely benched him. But now we're going to talk about the star of Houston, Deshaun Watson. This guy, five straight games of 20 fantasy points. I think he'll have no problem getting past this defense and scoring big points. Now, the other side of the ball, we're talking about Cleveland. Uh, they're playing against the Houston defense that is also quite generous for uh, fantasy points. Eighth in quarter against quarterbacks, 21.4 points. They're the most exploitable from the running back side. 26 points combined fantasy points against. Wide receivers are also in the top 10, 28 points against. And even tight ends, they're right there. So you know what this means. Mayfield, you start him. Chubb and Hunt, you start him. Landry, you start him. Higgins, he can even be a, a very interesting flex start. Hooper, you start him. It's just full go in this team in this game. Like a f over under a forty nine, I wouldn't be surprised if it hits over fifty five points. I think it's going to be that big a game. Yeah, now, yeah. You know, the biggest debate here is Hunt or Chubb. Like, will not if Chubb comes in, will that affect the the Hunt uh, um, the amount of points that he might be getting? Well, I mean. While they're both playing, it's 50-50. They both have different roles. Chubb's early down, hunts to change a pace. Uh, the only time that there's a real big difference is when Chubb is when Cleveland is ahead. Chubb really pulls away with the with the touches. And an interesting stat: 
Chubb has the most amount of 20 plus yard runs in the league this year, despite missing all of those games. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. So, what, uh, what just, games you got? Just something to add about Hunt and Chubb. A little known fact is that Hunt actually averages more fantasy points per game with Chubb in the lineup than without him. I don't know if you knew that. Nope. So, you're starting both, in my opinion. That's good. I like that. All right, I have the Denver uh, versus Las Vegas Raiders game. Uh, Locke versus Carr. Uh, both teams are pretty bad, especially against uh, the pass. Um, Denver is ranked 24th against quarterbacks and fantasy points per game allowed. Vegas is even worse at 27. Uh, this bodes well for the receivers on both teams. Um, I prefer Denver's receivers because Locke has shown a willingness to throw deep. Uh, Judy, as I mentioned before, is averaging the most air yards uh, in the NFL. I don't remember exactly when, but uh, in the last few games that he's played with Locke. Josh Jacobs is going to be uh, really strong in this game, um, especially if Vegas gets a lead. Uh, though Denver's run defense has improved lately. Um, the over-under for this game is 51. So that would mean that there are points to be had in this game. People don't think much of the defenses clearly. Just to give you an idea for the, for the uh, running backs as well. So Denver is actually ranked eighth against running backs, but where you can do your damage against Denver is in the passing game, and Josh Jacobs is a big part of the passing game. Uh, Denver is allowing as many receptions to running backs as um, the worst team in football, the Detroit Lions. So that's where you can beat Denver in the running game. Um, or I guess the passing game, as it were, in this case. Um, you complimented the Jets there. <laughs> yeah. And then I, th I think that's about it. Waller should see 10-plus targets this week if the trend is anything to go on. He's, he's seen 10-plus targets in the last three games. And uh, Denver's defense is middle of the pack against tight ends. So, uh, yeah, they are 13. Um, is there anything else I'm missing with respect to that game? What about from the wide receiver side of Oakland, Henry Ruggs, Aguilar? you starting these guys? Ruggs is boomer bust, is risk. If you have nobody else, I mean, Ruggs is probably better than whoever you'll get on the waiver wire. I think I would go Renfro as my number one. Denver's corners are better than their um, nickel and dime guys, so I think that Renfro can get open underneath. Uh, same goes for Waller. That's why they're strong plays this week. And whilst they have Aguilar, who seems to have regressed a bit lately, I don't know his uh, numbers, but they weren't good in the last couple weeks. Maybe you know. I know you've got him in one of our leagues. Oh, I got him, but I quickly dropped him. I think he used <laughs> me, and then I got mad, and so I dropped him. But he, he got, <laughs> used him up and uh, spit him out. <laughs> I'm fairly certain he had touchdown back-to-back -back games, then he got goosed, and then he had a touchdown the game after. So not great. Right. My timing was pretty bad. <laughs> all right, all right. So, yeah, you just missed out on the Aguilar... Uh... Bonanza. Yeah, the Agot lore, yeah. All right, next so, game. yeah, the next game I have here is Carolina versus Tampa Bay. NFC South battle. Um, so, last, I'll start with Tampa Bay. The last time we saw Tampa Bay, it didn't look very good. They got trounced by the New Orleans Saints. But now they're facing a Carolina Panthers defense. And here's an interesting, interesting thing. The Bucks lost badly to the Saints in week one, but then they bounced very strong in week two against who? Ooh, the Carolina Panthers. And Brady went 
pretty big in that game. After single digit outings, he's averaging 2,400 points per game, which is pretty damn good. And I think he's a lock for this week to produce big time numbers, despite the Panthers being strong against quarterbacks. But now on to the biggest questions are the running backs and the wide receivers because there's so many mouths to feed. You know, when we start with the running backs, Jones, Fournette. Um, what's interesting is that when they played Carolina in week two, they had a combined three touchdowns. So am I expecting the same thing? It's hard to say since they haven't really been doing it very much lately. But I think they could be both good flex because this Carolina Panthers defense, fifth against uh fifth worst against running backs for allowing 21.6 fantasy points against that could be somewhere where they could be picked on and now when we go into the wide receiver portion evans godwin brown i think these all these guys could be some solid starts in this i do expect this game to go over the 50 and a half points i'm thinking that there's going to be good opportunity to be had and enough space for evans and godwin's and brown to both be all three to be productive uh especially if brady could hit evans when he's wide open as bruce Evans <laughs> called brady out publicly what a guy and we cannot forget that gronk is on this team he's like a very strong third down option for brady i think he could have a solid game as well let's also not forget the defense of Tampa Bay they could be a nice stream they limited Bridgewater a 367 for Bridgewater but he also got two interceptions which is good for fantasy defenses and I think that after being embarrassed by the Saints they're going to want to come out strong so that's it for the Tampa Bay side let's move on to the Carolina side based on the tough the tough matchup I think Bridgewater, you could find other options elsewhere. I think he's a sit. Um, Anderson could be a flex because there might be volume there. DJ Moore will be second fiddle, actually third fiddle to Anderson and Curtis Samuel. So I would have no confidence playing DJ Moore, although you may have drafted him high. So chances are you're going to have to roll the dice on that anyways. Maybe you'll hit him you know at that 93 yard threshold that he was so good at hitting for those three weeks straight but i'm not feeling too confident i'm actually benching him in my leagues for chat travis fulgham uh, we'll see welcome. how that works out for me uh as for i mentioned curtis samuel i think he's a flex mainly because of the fact that he's involved in the run game and he's also involved in the passing game now, if we look back at that week two game, because that's the last sample size we had, McCaffrey was in that game. That's where he got injured. He scored two t rushing touchdowns in that game. So this will then segue me into Mike Davis. I think he's a start because the volume is going to be there, but beware that he's playing against a really tough defense and it could end up being a bust. Um, little known fact, so Tampa's defense is very tough. Uh, especially against the run, but in the last two weeks, there are only three defenses that have performed worse against quarterbacks. Uh, there are only for wide receivers. Uh, they do better against wide receivers, but they're middle of the pack, so they are beatable. They allowed 39.1 fantasy points against per game to wide receivers in the last two weeks, and we saw Breeze just slice and dice them apart last week, so 
I could see where you're going with Bridgewater, but perhaps Tampa has shown themselves to be uh, beatable. I don't know what you think about that. I think that there's going to be pride. I think this is a, a unit that's definitely going to want to uh, prove to be that they are legit. They want to prove to the league. They want to prove to their fellow division mate that they are legit. And I think they're due for a bounce back game. I do believe Tampa Bay will win this game, and I do believe it will be a one-sided game. <laughs> I think I agree with that. All right. Next. What's next. Yeah. We have Seattle and the Rams. I am looking forward to talking about this game. The last four games Jared Goff has played against Seattle, he has averaged, uh, sorry, he has gone over 331 passing yards. The Rams, uh, sorry, the Seattle defense allows the most fantasy points against two, uh, pretty much everyone, but uh, quarterbacks, they allow 26 fantasy points against per week. That is the most. Um, only Atlanta is even in their ballpark. Uh, the run defense is in the middle, so that's Fine. The um, the Rams have that that uh, running back by committee that should be led by Henderson this week. Um, so there's nothing to worry about there. I would probably start Henderson if he's playing. Akers is a sit because of the unpredictability factor. And uh, Malcolm Brown. I mean, they might they put him in in passing situations because I think he blocks the best from what I've been reading. Wide receivers for the Seahawks. Again, they cannot stop anything. Um, they are allowing 59.5 fantasy points against per game, and the next worst team is Tennessee at 45. So they are 15 points worse than the second worst team, Seattle. That is how terrible they are at defending the pass. If you have Cup, you are starting him. If you have Woods, you are starting him. If you have Josh Reynolds, you are starting him. If you have Higby, you are starting him. You are starting everyone that catches passes against this defense. Uh, quite a fall down from the Legion of Boom, that's for sure. I agree. That's, the other uh, thing, I don't know if you remember on that last show where we talked about the Lockett and Metcalf uh, issue where it seems like Carroll's selectively choosing um, who he's targeting. So from what the Rams defensive coordinator said today, they're going to shadow Metcalf with Ramsey. And in the games where Metcalf has a shadow, we have seen Lockett get 20 targets this is in one game, by the way. 20 targets and 15 catches and three touchdowns. I think you remember that game. So I know the matchup looks bad on paper because the Rams allow the second fewest fantasy points uh, to wide receivers, but Lockett should see uh, double-digit targets this week. So if you have Lockett and you don't have any better options, which is highly likely, then you can probably start him and expect a reasonable amount of yards at least. That's it. We're on to the next game. Yes, sir. Oh, it's in a dome also, so weather shouldn't be a factor, by the way. Fantastic. All right, so my next game, and this is going to please me a lot, we're talking about the Washington football team, my Washington football team versus the Detroit Lions. This is also in a dome, over under 46.5 points. And, I mean, from the Washington side, they're going to be playing against a Detroit team that is the worst against running backs, allowing 30.4 points. Let's, let's, let's remember to last week. That beautiful, beautiful game that Dalvin Cook had against the Detroit Lions. So who's next up? Looks like Antonio Gibson. This guy is a must-start. I think he's going to have a massive game on the ground. That's He's been the primary runner. He's been dominating in that regard. But on his counterpart, J.D. Well, not his counterpart, but like his teammate, J.D. McKissick. Oh, yeah, his teammate, J.D. McKissick. 
I think he's a pretty good flex, especially in PPR. Last week he got 14 targets. <laughs> and, wow. yeah, I think it's just going to happen. I mean, it might have been uh, game, script, game script dependence. So Gibson might be looking at 20-plus touches if they start getting ahead. But, you know, they're two losing teams. It's really hard to tell who's going to win this game. It's more of like a toss-up. Um, so more on the Washington side. McLaurin, you're always starting him. He's definitely a stud. Alex Smith, the starting quarterback. I mean, you could desperation stream him, but I'm sure there's way more options out there. Cam Sims is a deep, large, deep league dart throw. Um, Thomas, Logan Thomas, he's had a couple of down games, but he could look to bounce back. He could be a streaming tight end for you. Um, and here's where I think there might be another gem, the Washington defense. That front is very strong, and it can definitely get to quarterbacks. I expect Matt Stafford to be uh, running away quite a, quite a bit in this game, either running away or ending up on his back. Um, one interesting stat is that the Lions have been giving up 14 fantasy points a game to running backs that line up in the slot and uh, Gibson has been doing that he's been getting close to three catches every game so there's a little bit of involvement in the past game as well now on to the Detroit side I mean there's nothing really uh, there the offense has been pretty much sputtering for all season long basically Stafford I mean you could play him but you won't feel very confident about it Swift and Peterson, I think the opportunities will be there because I think this game's going to be close, but they're both going to be, I feel like they're going to be splitting carries, which is not looking so great on their fantasy total outlook. But, I mean, I guess you could flex them if you really have no other choice. I mean, there are teams on buys this week, so it might be that you're in that situation. Marvin Jones solid flex I think since he's the number one I think he could be looking at some good targets Hawkinson also I think he's a very solid start they got to throw it to somebody right so Hawkinson Jones those are your guys uh the defense you're gonna be sitting I mean you're gonna be seeing them all the time anyways that's it for this game do you have anything to add just one thing about Gibson he's got a he's got a touchdown in five of his last seven games right. um, Alex Smith is probably a better quarterback than the other two guys they had so I would trust those two running backs I would agree with that and goes without saying McLaurin is automatic start like we discussed last week okay my game is my Pittsburgh Steelers against the uh, perennially bad Cincinnati Bengals and I never miss an opportunity to rip on my division rivals even Baltimore so Here's a stat for you. Uh, T. Higgins has averaged 25% um, target share in a receiving core that has Higgins, Boyd, uh, Autumn Tate, and A.J. Green. In fact, A.J. Green is last on that list in average target share, which um, kind of proves our point last week, uh, last episode about A.J. Green uh, not being viable anymore. Uh, let's start with Pittsburgh. Uh, once again, the Bengals defense is B.A.D. bad. To quarterbacks. Uh, well, actually, they seem to have gotten better lately, which I didn't know, but they're in the middle. They rank 17th. They allow 19 uh, fantasy points per game against quarterbacks, which is about what Ben uh, Roethlisberger, assuming he plays, uh, averages this year. Uh, Roethlisberger's at home. He tends to do better, so he can probably expect over 20 for Big Ben. 
at any rate, I don't imagine you have a better option this late in the season if you're contemplating Ben. Um, what else? Uh, the receivers. So I pulled up the Steelers receiving core uh, targets. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster actually leads them this season uh, in target share. In fact, in the last few weeks, he's had 14, 8, and 7 targets. Now, those weeks kind of correspond with Deontay Johnson being out. And Deontay Johnson, when he plays, does average over 10 targets. So uh, I'm not sure, Ralph, did you hear anything about Deontay Johnson uh, injury uh, or if he's coming no, back? No, nothing injury-wise, but um, if he if he's healthy, he's going to have a good game. That's what I've seen based on my research. Yeah, Roethlisberger clearly seems to favor Deontay Johnson as the uh, prototypical X receiver. Uh, Juju's done his damage from the slot. Um, Claypool also. Um, this is interesting. The Bengals allow a ton of air yards this year. Uh, in fact, the second most behind, obviously, Seattle. Um, so that being said, Claypool should um, have chances to score on big plays. And if ever you were going to start Claypool, this would be the game to quit. In my opinion. So I mean, if you had to rank, so if you had to rank them, it would be Claypool first. Yeah, if I had to rank them, well, it would depend on whether it's a standard or PPR. Uh, in a standard league, I would go Claypool, uh, Deontay, and Juju. And in a PPR, I would do uh, Juju. Uh, no, sorry, I would do Deontay, uh, Juju, and Claypool. All right, cool. Cincinnati. Um, Higgins, uh, like we said, gets a ton of the ball, and uh, I'm just going to look up his stats real quick because he's been remarkably consistent for me, despite the fact that my league mates don't think I have a legitimate wide receiver two in Higgins. I disagree. This is in PPR, I guess. Yeah, yeah, PPR scoring. So T. Higgins uh, on the year, he has 28 rushing yards, 33 receptions for 488 yards and three touchdowns. That's not a full season, right? Uh, yeah, that is this full season. He didn't play or didn't get any uh, catches the first game, probably because he was a rookie and didn't really know the plays. Uh, Burrow throws it a ton. He averages the most throws per game, if I'm not mistaken. So Higgins should see the ball. The other thing is Pittsburgh might get a big in this game, so uh, Burrow probably throw it a ton, and Higgins should be the primary uh, benefactor of that. Uh, and also... Um, there's uh, Boyd who, uh, compared to Higgins, tends to get that big play. So if I have Boyd and Higgins, I know the matchup is a bit scary, but uh, Pittsburgh's secondary is exploitable. I'm a Steelers fan, and I'm telling you, you can get the big play against them. Uh, Higgins in particular has, in his last uh, six weeks, 21, 13, 10, 19, 19, and 14 fantasy points per game. It's a nice floor. You're probably not going to get that ceiling, um, but Higgins is startable. Uh, it's windy in Pittsburgh in general, and this week is no different. Um, I don't want to talk about kickers because, well, I, truthfully, I just want to ban them from our league, but they don't want to uh, play along our league mates. So um, I guess that's it for that game. What about our favorite player, Giovanni? Giovanni, Bruno? yeah, I was just about to get to him, actually. So uh, Giovanni, the, the Steelers' run defense is number one. Once again, uh, they're tough to run on. Uh, Hen they shut Henry down. Giovanni's smaller. He's slower. I don't see it going well in that respect. But if they get down big, um, you could see um, that they might involve Giovanni in the 
passing game. Though, again, there, from what I'm looking at here in the stats, the Steelers have not allowed many receptions to running backs. In fact, they've allowed the fewest, 22 receptions to running backs. Yeah, Bernard is a risky start. I know there's a lot of running backs on by this week, but um, if you've got like a Mike Davis on the bench or like a Henderson that you're debating or McKinnon, it might be a safer play than Giovanni Bernard. Back to you, sir. Yes, the next game on my list here is the Giants versus the Eagles. Uh, NFC East heavyweight battle of the <laughs> first and second place teams in that yes, division. Yes, first and second place losing teams. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's it's going to come down to a wire, man. It's going to be exciting regardless of what the records are at the end of the season. Oh, Anyways, the weather looks good. It's going to be cold, but that's normal for this time of year. On the Philly side, I think Wentz is a good start. Um, the Sanders coming in, he's definitely a good start. Sadly, Boston Scott, who was filling in for Sanders, you're gonna have to sit him now. He can't, you can't really trust him. Uh, Fulgham's a start. Rager's a good, good flex. Jeffrey, I mean, he's in, but we don't really know how they're gonna really use him, how often, how much targets he's gonna get. So I would sit him just based on, you're not really sure. Dallas Goddard, a good start because. He, you know, that Carson Wentz likes his tight end, so he's definitely going to have good volume thrown his way. And here, the defense is a great stream for this week because we know that Daniel Jones just does Daniel Jones things sometimes, which will throw a pick or run for his life and caught and fumble the ball. And I feel like the the Eagles have a very strong front seven and. They will definitely get at Daniel Jones often. On the Giants side, Jones, you would definitely, I mean, I feel like you could stream him. But like I said, I think he's going to be chased after a lot by the Eagles defense. So I would feel more confident sitting him. Freeman's out. But Gallman could be a flex just based off of opportunity and volume. Uh, Shepard could be a, a flex target as well because he does get the targets. Uh, Slayton, if you want, if you believe in that, he's a boomer bust, right? So he's a big play guy, but he's on the field for 91% of the snaps. So that could be interesting in that regard. Uh, tight end side, Evan Ingram, he's had 10 targets in back-to-back games. I think he's going to be slated for another large workload i think he's definitely a start as well the giants defense they would be they're they've been playing decently but not fantasy relevant uh quite yet you have anything to add there yeah so the eagles defense against tight ends is the third worst um they allow 16.46 fantasy points against per game ppr always um to tight ends um, like you said, Slayton is a boomer bust, and I believe the Eagles do have a shutdown corner, though I can't remember his name offhand, so um, the tight ends could feast in this game against the Eagles, and that would mean Evan Ingram, who they, they seem to really uh, want to stay involved in the offense. They invested a high draft pick in him, and they publicly said they're supporting him, they believe in him, despite all the drops, so maybe this is the Evan Ingram game we've all been waiting for. Yeah, well, I th- I think it's going to be a good game. I think he's definitely slated to have a good game. I almost put him on my DFS lineup, but I <laughs> needed the savings and tight ends, so I went in that uh, other direction. 
Yeah, I think Waller actually, on a side note, is a nice DFS play this week from what I was reading about his price. Well, he's the most expensive guy, but he's definitely <laughs> a lock for sure. <laughs> Anyways, what's your next game? Uh, 49ers and the Saints. Um, so San Francisco's tough against running backs, though the Saints will find a way to get Kamara involved. The 49ers are the second uh, best team against running backs in terms of fantasy points. I'm not saying bench Kamara, obviously, but uh, temper expectations. We'll probably need to get involved in the passing game. Uh, this might be the game where we see the uh, Michael Thomas, the real Michael Thomas, will hopefully stand up. And um, Breeze, I mean, uh, he, he sliced the Buccaneers' supposedly amazing defense, so I'm curious what he's going to do. Uh, against San Francisco, who are pretty decimated uh, with injuries. Uh, it's going to be the McKinnon and Hasty show. Um, God knows which one it's going to be. I don't even think the head coach knows. He's probably going to ride the hot hand. Um, I like these Saints to go big, so that would mean that you'll see more McKinnon. So if you have to pick one, I would choose McKinnon uh, in PPR. And McKinnon's been getting more touchdowns lately, so I would also probably put him in over Hasty. Uh, in standard, they seem to like Hasty, but they don't seem to want to give him the ball as much as McKinnon. So, I mean, they they paid McKinnon all this money, so you figure they want to get him involved in the offense. And we saw that a bit in the Thursday night game last week, where McKinnon uh, came in at the end and and did get that that last touchdown. So, it's not perfect, but if you have to choose, McKinnon is the guy there. Uh, do you know if Nick Mullins is starting again, or did they replace him? No, I believe Nick Mullins is starting. Nick Mullins. So they, they're leaving Nick Mullins, and he's a turnover machine. Uh, that means that the Saints could be an interesting uh, DST play uh, as a streaming option this week and in daily also. Um, so that covers the quarterback. Receiving-wise, we have our waiver wire target, Richie James. Uh, uh, once again, Debo Samuel seems to be out. He should still see his targets, even with the return of Brandon Ayuk. So, but again, the Saints, the Saints defense is tough this year against wide receivers, though. For instance... Okay, they're right in the middle, actually. They're, they're ranked 18th, but they don't allow many touchdowns. Um, they only allow... Thirteen receiving touchdowns, which is really um, not in that top group of bad defenses. Um, so I don't know. The targets will probably be there for the 49ers receivers, but you might want to look for other options. Uh, for the Saints, again, Thomas, you're starting him. Uh, last week he got 10.1 fantasy points. Uh, pretty safe floor, and also um, the touchdowns will come. You've been this patient with him, so. Uh, just be a little more patient, and you should see results. Emmanuel Sanders, um, he's been pretty inconsistent. Uh, he's not really one of those top options anymore. I would try to stay away from him. And Traquan Smith has uh, gone back to a fantasy relevance. Tight end-wise, Jared Cook is a start, uh, just because there are no real... <laughs> tight ends that are worth starting, though the Niners allow the fifth fewest fantasy points against tight ends at nine points per game. And I am starting Jordan Reed because I have no other choice. But, same here, um, same here. Yeah. Oh, you're starting him too? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, he had one catch for three yards last week, and I started him, and I lost. So well, hopefully he, this week he can get one catch for five yards, and maybe I'll... Well, the the one benefit for him is that he was on for very... Like, I think he was on for, I think it was 12 offensive snaps. So I'm expecting him to get more involved, definitely, and especially with Samuel not there and Kittle not there, I think he's slated to have a healthy amount of targets this game. Yeah, this, the Saints have allowed uh, six touchdowns to tight ends. It's not uh, good, but I mean, everyone's pretty much allowed four, five, six, or a little more. So, I mean, Ayuk's back. Hopefully, it'll open up the field, even if it means a few, you know, it might create a few more opportunities for Jordan Reed. Um, so that's all I want to say about that. The weather in San Francisco, or is it in New Orleans? Fresh my memory. It's in New Orleans, so it's in a dome, so you have no uh, no worries there. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, weather-wise, it's been there's been a study done and how um, as to how weather affects fantasy football. Uh, yeah, I know we have a lot of time on our hands. So rain doesn't affect the uh, outcomes as much as wind. Wind affects fantasy football way more because it's harder to throw, whereas rain uh, they can kind of game plan around that. So just a little fun fact for you guys. I just had one question for you, Evan. Where yes, do we start Taysom Hill? Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? Is he a quarterback? Where is this guy, man? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't even think New Orleans knows what they have. Uh, I don't. I don't think they see him as the future quarterback because they went out and got Winston. If you want to start him, like we're in a two quarterback league, and uh, sometimes you get desperate. There's always that chance that he scores. They they like looking for him. They have all these gadget plays. Peyton seems to have a bit of an ego where it comes to trick plays and gadget plays, and he likes showing everyone that he's smart. And he is smart. But um, if you have Taysom Hill, uh, unless you're in a super flex or two quarterback league or really, really, really desperate, I don't see you uh, starting him. Sounds good. All right. Next game that I have on my slate here is... Jacksonville versus Green Bay. Like the over under is 50. Uh, we all know who's going to win this game. It's obviously going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going to be playing against the team that has the second worst against the running backs, lying 27.4 fantasy points. And you know what that means, Evan, right? Yes, I do. Starting your magical James Robinson in both your leagues, I imagine. I am starting James Robinson and Aaron Jones, and I am very, very confident in both this week. Oh, and you should be. These are, this is a great matchup on both sides. I'll get into this. So like I said, Green Bay, second worst. Uh, Jacksonville, sixth worst. These are pretty bad rush defenses. Like this game, you know, it could be over really fast because they're going to be running the ball on each other all game. But at the same time, you got to know that Rodgers is going to get his his amount this game. He's going to get his touchdowns. He's going to start throwing the ball to his men, Devontae Adams. Rodgers this season, 24 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, 281 yards per game. I mean, looking at it, the Jacksonville Jaguars have allowed the th- uh, third amount of points, third most points to quarterbacks on average, 23.3 points. And to wide receivers, they're the 12th with 25.7 points against. And here's another area where Jacksonville can be 
victimized is at the tight end position or along 11.4 fantasy points against basically against the Jaguars you start all your Packers your Rogers Jones Adams Marquise Valdez scaling oh, yeah. even him yeah why not just go for it <laughs> all in Robert Tanyan, you could start him, but he has, but it could easily be Sternberger, could easily be Mercedes Lewis. We've seen all three of those guys getting involved. And the defense here for the Packers, I mean, it's a desperate stream, but I'm sure you could find other better options out there. I think Tanyan has an injury designation, so just if you want to get him into your lineup, make sure he's actually playing before uh, putting him in. Very good point. Um, So the one question that I have while researching this game is Adams or Jones. Like, can they both explode at the same time? They've only played in three games together, and I can tell you they don't go off at the same time. Basically, when they're both in, Jones is averaging 14.5 fast points a game, and Adams is averaging 29 fantasy points per game. So Adams, it seems like Adams benefits more from Jones being there than Jones does with Adams being there, which is really interesting. And, well, I mean, now we'll flip over to the Jacksonville side. You're not going to be starting Jake Luton because you can't. I mean, there's probably 28 other quarterbacks you could start over him. Uh, James (laughs) Robinson, like we mentioned, he's definitely a start. DJ Chark, if he's in, got to watch out because that illness, he's a start as well. Because of volume, Chenault is out so he's a sit whoever they have at tight end you sit them all the defense <laughs> you always sit them yeah. right here the silver lining for big points on the Jacksonville side is going to come from Robinson since Green Bay has allowed 11 touchdowns to running backs and uh, that's it for this game oh also I forgot to mention it's going to be windy and there's a chance of snow <laughs> chance of snow <laughs> yeah Green Bay right who would have known Wisconsin <laughs> All right, what's next? Um, yeah, one thing about Robinson also, if you're on the fence because he's kind of your third running back or fourth running back, uh, Jacksonville's probably going to get behind and get behind big, and Robinson could rack up uh, cheap receptions in a big Charlie, so just something yep. to keep in mind. Yep. Next, we have Baltimore and New England, which in another time might have been the game of the week, but now um, we have a New England team that struggles to beat the Jets, so uh, we won't spend too much time on this. Plus, we've spent plenty of time in the last 20 years talking about New England, and we're all ahead of them. So, uh, Cam Newton has no passing touchdowns since week three, but he's still a quarterback one for fantasy purposes. Why? Because he has eight rushing touchdowns on the season. That running back by committee in New England includes Cam Newton. It's it's messed up, but that's the way they're going this year. Um, Edelman's out, as you all know. Um, so we should see a lot of Jacoby Myers if uh, Harry doesn't play, which it doesn't seem like he's going to be in. They don't sound optimistic. Um, so there's that for New England. Myers is a bit of a risky play, though if Baltimore's offense uh, eventually wakes up, they could be behind big New England in this game. So then um, you could see some garbage time fantasy points, but again, it's pretty risky to even consider flexing Jacoby Myers. Uh, this week. Next, the running backs. Uh, Michelle won't be back this week. Uh, should see enough of Burkhead, but again, they want to start Burkhead against the Ravens' tough uh, rush defense. Unlikely fact to give you a stat. The Ravens rank 
uh, near the bottom. In fact, they're the fourth best team against running backs. They allow 19.23 fantasy points per game against running backs. That is better than only New Orleans, San Francisco, and Pittsburgh. So again, the Patriots uh, running backs are a mess to deal with, and they have this impossible matchup. Stay far away. Let's go to Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, as we mentioned, hasn't been amazing uh, this uh, year. But something about New England to know is they're, they're actually pretty good against quarterbacks, but they're, they've only allowed uh, one rushing touchdown to quarterbacks. And Lamar Jackson needs rushing touchdowns. I don't know if that's a byproduct of New England's uh, schedule or whatnot, but uh, Lamar Jackson... The matchup's not that good for him, and we discussed last week how he might not be an automatic start anymore. You have Jared Goff available, and Seattle basically would let me catch the ball against them. So you might want to consider, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but benching your first or second round pick just because the matchup's not there. The rushing touchdowns might not be there. Uh, they've only allowed 121 rushing yards all season to quarterbacks in New England. So that is not good for Lamar Jackson. Baltimore's receivers, you can't trust any of them uh, on a normal day, much less uh, this day. I think that Baltimore is going to win this game by their patented uh, pound-the-ball strategy. They have J.K. Dobbins, uh, who in Week 9 had 66% of the uh, snaps. Gus Edwards had around 30%. If Ingram plays, what, what ended up happening was that Ingram's snap count has steadily decreased and Dobbins has increased. So Dobbins is taking Ingram's touches, not Gus Edwards. What you might see is um, kind of a, a correction to the mean where Ingram will still get his you know, eight rushes per game. He won't really be used as much anymore in the passing game. And uh, you'll see Dobbins and Gus control the game, uh, like usual, with some read option from Lamar Jackson. So yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think I had anything to add for that game. I think Baltimore should win, and uh, I think it could be a big run game for the Ravens. All right, so, two left. Yeah, well, three left. Three left. Yeah. So the next game I'm going to talk about is going to be the Chargers versus the Dolphins. The weather is going to be 80 degrees and sunny. Man, we would all kill to have 80 degree weather right now. And that over under is at 48 and a half points. From the Miami side, they're going to be playing against a Chargers defense that is fourth worst to quarterback, 16th worth to. Uh, running backs, uh, they're pretty good against wide receivers. They can't be victimized at the tight end spot. So what does this all mean for the Miami Dolphins players? Tua could be a very decent stream. The sad part is is that we have a small sample size. We have him doing poorly against a good defense, and then we have him doing poorly against a bad defense, uh, doing very well against a bad defense. Now the Chargers is, you know, fairly weak defense, so... Based on that very limited trend, I guess two is going to be a good start. Well, he's going to be a stream. Devontae Parker, wide receiver-wise, number one option. I think he could be a start, and I think you could start him with confidence because this is a game, there's going to be a lot of passing going around. Um, Preston Williams is on the IR, so those targets are going to get funneled into Parker, I feel. Uh, running back wise, Matt Breida might be thrown into the mix now. So with Breida, Salvon, Ahmed, uh, Jordan Howard, just too many people, too many to even decipher what's going to happen. 
according to some of their beat reporters, Salvo and Ahmed is the closest thing to a Miles Gaskin that they had. But for this week, I'm sure there's tons more options you could find out there if need be. And Gaskin's coming back soon, so none of these guys' outlook looks very well for the long term. Uh, Mike Isiki is a solid start. I think he could be played, and I think he could be played with confidence. The Miami defense, that they have been playing much improved over the last little while, but I think versus uh, Herbert, it's tough. It's going to be tough sledding, and I think these guys... I mean, you could stream them just because they've been playing well, and uh, Herbert, the carpet might be pulled. The rookie might stumble for the first time in his young career. Um, so, yeah, there's an argument to be had for Dolphins to be a good stream target. I think that um, yeah, quarterbacks, these two rookie quarterbacks can give us quite a show. I think there's going to be a lot of throwing, and I think the over should be hit. Yeah, 40 and a half, definitely achievable. So on front, on to the Chargers side, Herbert, you're definitely starting him. He's been balling two past uh, two past CDs in five straight games. Um, Keenan Allen, double-digit targets in six of eight games. He's a smash start as well. Mike Williams, he's averaging... 17.1 yards per reception. He's definitely their big play guy, and I think he he's in that weekly start category now for sure. He's definitely a solid play. Jackson is out. Balage, even though he was put onto the practice roster at the beginning of the week, he is now back into the regular lineup. So we're looking at Balage, Pope, Kelly. I mean, if you're really desperate with those running backs on a bye, you could take your chance on one of these guys. But if you have someone else that's not fighting with a huge room of people for touches, then go with that guy for sure, 100%. That's it for this game. Okay. I'll tackle the Monday Nighter briefly. Chicago, here are their ranks against quarterbacks. Uh, they're fourth in fantasy points again, so they're really good. I can't imagine you were going to start Kirk Cousins against Chicago anyways, but if you were even considering it, no, don't. Um, running back, they're 11th, so if there's any yardage to be had against the Bears, it's going to be with uh, Dalvin Cook, so hopefully they let Cook cook. Uh, wide receiver, Chicago's even better than against quarterbacks, they're third. So you're, you're not passing against Chicago, and so expect Cousins to not uh, have a good showing here, and there's even that, that risk of interception. Cousins, that's always there. Uh, here's the interesting thing about Chicago. They're actually not strong at all against tight ends. They are 24th, so if Irv Smith is uh, good to go, um, he could be that sneaky streamer that gets you into the end zone. Because at the end of the day, with tight ends this year, it's pretty much end zone or bust, as we kind of saw with John Smith on the Thursday night game. Minnesota's defense is a whole other story. We have them ranked 26th against quarterbacks, 21st against running backs, 30th against receivers, and 20th against tight ends. So if you have some Chicago players not named Anthony Miller, you can start them. Uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, Fallon Robinson's good to go. His automatic start against the Vikings. Uh, Foles, it's Jekyll and Hyde. Start him at your own risk, but at least the matchup is, is kind of favorable. If Montgomery plays, which I don't 
think is looking likely, um, there's opportunity to be had. Otherwise, you can probably start Ryan Nall, get a bunch of touches and receptions, and can maybe steal you a week, actually, this week. I should probably put him in on second thought. And, um, yeah, so that's about it. They're, they're not that strong against tight end, but uh, I don't even know who Chicago's tight end is, to be honest. So maybe Ralph can help me Jimmy out G. there. Jimmy Graham. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Graham, the ageless uh, Jimmy Graham. Okay, so that's about it. Chicago's weather is always risky, and I believe this week is no different. Uh, it's actually pretty good. It's in Chicago, but it's supposed to be clear and not much wind. So uh, maybe the Bears kicker won't miss a key field goal. Or they will. Because <laughs> it's the Bears. <laughs> All right, Ralph, last game of the week. You want to tackle that oh, one? The game of the week. Best for last. We are talking about Buffalo versus the Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals, Buffalo Bills. This is going to be an insane game. Over it's under 56 MVPs. points. And you, and you know what makes this even better of an over under 56 points? It's a dome game. No weather concerns. And I'm not even going to bore you with some of these defensive stats, fantasy points against. These are two offenses that are humming and they're pushing and they're at full throttle you're going to want to start everyone that's of note in this game this game is going to be crazy so we'll start on the buffalo side future mvp josh allen he's a definite must start uh stefan diggs definitely going to be started he'll be watched by patrick peterson if they're lined up on the same side but you know peterson's been uh, allowing 75 yards on average over his last two games He's definitely could be victimized. He's not uh, as uh, he's not as imposing as he used as he once used to be, but he's still very good. Like let's I'm not gonna throw shade on him. He's still very good. He's just not as good as what he once was. John Brown definitely a solid flex. Cole Beasley more of a deep flex, and that's pretty much it for the positives on the bills now we're going to go into more head scratchers which is the running back situation who do you start moss zach moss devin single carry it's <laughs> very hard to to know moss has been getting more of the touchdown upside recently so you know i would feel more comfortable starting moss over singletary usually mainly their snaps are 50 50. singletary gets more of the targets but Moss is the only one who has a reception touchdown. And what makes it even more difficult is that Josh Allen at times is their go-to goal line back as well. So with Josh Allen there, there's always risk that the touchdown will get vultured. Well, not vultured because he's still going to be started, but those running backs who might need those touchdowns for a solid fantasy day might not get it because Josh Allen is there. Now on the Arizona side... Ooh, Kyler Murray on fire, 37 points in back-to-back games. He's has 20 or more points in all of his games this year. This guy has been the real deal. He has been insanely good, and he's so exciting. I wish I had him on any of my teams, but he's definitely untouchable on most rosters I imagine right now. He's just been so good. But enough of that. Oof, I'm already starting to sweat already just thinking about how great this game is going to be. <laughs> We're going to go on to Drake, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. And I like them both to be good starts because the Bills, you know, they're 13th 
against uh, with points against, allowing 19.6 points. Uh, so I feel like they're um, they could be starts. Drake might miss, so you would start Edmonds. But even if Drake is there, I would still start Edmonds because it seems like Edmonds benefits from Drake being there. He seems to have more productive games that way. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll have to monitor the situation on Kenyon Drake. New Hopkins, you're definitely going to start him. He is a phenomenal wide receiver. Christian Kirk for the deep balls, you're definitely going to want to flex him. I think he's a solid flex. Fitzgerald, the ageless wonder, the legend, the future Hall of Famer. Unfortunately, this year, not fantasy relevant. The tight ends on both sides, by the way, you sit them. I mean, they're not of noteworthy. They might get a touchdown here and there, but nothing that's going to be really consistent usage-wise. Yeah, so question about Christian Kirk, because I've got him in uh, PPR, and at the moment I'm sitting him just because the Bills' defense is ranked number eight to uh, to wide receivers with 33 points allowed. It's uh, it's a matchup that's as tough as the Ravens, the Bills' defense. So you would, like Hopkins, fine. Obviously that that goes without saying, but you would start Christian Kirk this week. I think I, I I feel comfortable doing that for sure, just because he's not the number one. Hopkins is going to be garnering a lot of attention, so yeah. I think Kirk will be open on a few deep shots. And like we had been talking about previously, you know, Kyler Murray, you know, he goes through his progressions. He's able to find that guy deep, and he's pretty accurate with those deep balls. It's uh, it sees a lot of fun to watch. That's very true. Just an interesting stat I I wanted to mention before we move on about Josh Allen is that. He, in his first four weeks, he had been averaging over 30 points. But in the four weeks after that, 14 and a half points. And then the last week he had was 36 points. So which is the real Allen? But for this game to be competitive, I would think you would need to have the good Josh Allen. So I'm expecting opportunities to be there, especially the Cardinals play pretty quickly. The pace of play is really up there. So I feel like on both sides, we're going to have a lot of opportunities getting thrown back and forth. It's going to be a great game. I'm going to be really excited to watch it. Perfect. All right. So that was it for the matchup previews. We're going to be moving on to a segment called Line Challenge. This is where we make suggestions to each other on particular lines. And then we'll see who ends up correct at the end of the week. And we'll do a tally and we'll accumulate throughout the year. So, Evan, do you have one for me? Yes, sir. I will be generous and let you tackle this one. Does Dalvin Cook get over 100 rushing yards, I believe, versus the Bears? Oof. Is this a tough one? I don't know. Like you mentioned, the Bears are a very, very tough defense. I think the last time they played, they held them to under... um, like something like, I think, three yards a carry. I think it was like two point something. Oh, so wow. I honestly think that Dalvin Cook will end up in the 85 to 95 yard range, but still with his two touchdowns. <laughs> of course. So I'm expecting him to go under those 100 yards against the Bears. Okay. I think he's going to go over just for the record, just because he's unstoppable at the moment, momentum and all that. He was playing against the two worst rush defenses in the league, so. Fair enough. We'll see how he does against right. a tougher opponent. You got one for me now, Ralph? Yes. I'm going to ask you whether or not both Cooper Cup and Robert Woods can get at least 90 reception yards in the game that you previewed before. Uh, now you're putting me on the spot because I bashed Seattle for about five minutes. <laughs> um, 
90 yards. Well, <laughs> they allow so many points, Seattle. Like it's it's ridiculous to to say, but it, it's <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say that Cup gets over 90, and I'm gonna say that Woods gets under 90. Okay. So, I think that's where I would go with that. And I think Reynolds, for the record, even though it's not uh, asked, gets close to 90. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll three of them, yeah. Uh, Newton, over 20 fantasy points versus the Ravens. That's for you. Oh, this is a tough one because the Ravens, like you said, formidable defense. But Newton, rushing touchdowns, man. He's, he's been carrying his own weight. Even though he hasn't been really throwing any touchdown passes, he could rush for them. But all that to say, yeah, I don't think I could see him getting over 20 fantasy points versus the Ravens. I feel like the Ravens are going to bleed out the clock a lot with the running game. Uh, get ahead, bleed out the clock, and then Newton will have only like a handful of possessions and to make any sort of fantasy hay. The other thing is that the Ravens have only allowed all season three rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks. So I don't think... Uh, I mean, I know Newton's basically unstoppable when he runs with the ball, but uh, there's that, that risk also. For sure. So, All right, the last line challenge I have for you is Chase Claypool over under 80 yards. Well, let's let's say, is will Chase Claypool get over 80 yards versus the Bengals? He will get exactly 80 yards. Oh, exactly will, 80 yards. He will take a deep shot from Ben Roethlisberger from their own 20-yard line after a kickoff. <laughs> And he will bring it to the house for 80 yards, and he will not get another target as long as Deontay Johnson is in the line. Oh, my goodness. That's going to be interesting to see if that holds up. <laughs> All right, I so that was it for the line. Once in a while. Sorry, say it again? Yeah, you have to have fun with it once in a while. Yeah. All right, sounds good. So we're, that is it for the line challenge. We'll let you know how that pans out over the next little while we're going to move on now to questions from our listeners we had uh, two listeners that sent us questions and they're very interested to see what our take is so the first question is evans claypool or thielen which would you start evan uh not thielen because the bears uh, are third overall against wide receivers and cousins is gonna have a hard time finding him the decision is really evans or claypool with Claypool, you're chasing that long touchdown against the Bengals, which the Bengals do allow a ton of long touchdowns. And with Evans, you're hoping Brady targets him in the end zone and not any of his other six options. So they're all good options, but um, if I had to pick, I would exploit that Bengals secondary, and I would actually uh, bench Mike Evans just because of the volume issue. And you know, if he doesn't get that touchdown, you might start a dud there. And I think even if Claypool doesn't hit that long touchdown, he should see enough targets to get a nice safe floor against the Bengals. What do you mean? He's oh. getting only one target, right? <laughs> yeah, no, he'll get more than one target, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, yeah, okay. I, I think I'm on the fence a little bit more. I think, I mean, Bruce Arians squeaked the wheel for his own players, so I feel like he might rip into... Brady a couple more times, like make Zach a couple more plays for Evans, which might make this a little closer. But uh, I think I agree with you. I think Claypool's set up to have a very solid game. But it's hard to bet Evans because big name, right? 
Yeah, that I find that's what fantasy players have the hardest time with in general. It's not matchup, or it's really just getting over the fear of benching a name. Because at the end of the day, you want production. So there's your there's always a trade-off, right? Like if you have a T.Y. Hilton and you're hoping, or you know, if you have like a, a Cam Newton versus like a Jared Goff this week, well, we know whose name is better, but who's gonna end up with more points? Solid. Okay, so the next question we have from another listener of ours. He says, pick three between Montgomery versus the Vikings, Swift versus the football team, Fournette versus the Panthers, Davis versus the Bucks, or Jalen Reger versus the Giants. I mean, I'll start off here. I think, well, Montgomery, we're not really sure how if he's actually going to play, if he's going to clear percussion protocol. Um, so... That's harder for me to start. I would. Go Why don't you? Uh, sorry, Ralph. Yeah. Why don't you uh, substitute in uh, Ryan Nall then, since we're on the subject? Oh, Ryan Nall. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think I'll go Davis uh, because of volume. I think even Fournette because he got those two rushing touchdowns. I think in week two. So I. I think he can... Well, I mean, I feel like they're going to be up, so they're going to want to run the ball more, so the opportunities will be there. Um, Swift, I can't really trust him right now. I guess... I mean, I I definitely would want to start Montgomery, so hopefully by the time he... By Sunday comes around, he could have cleared concussion protocol, so he would be in. So I would pick Montgomery, Fournette, and Davis. Who would you pick? Pick three. So um, again, I'm gonna assume uh, that I'm, I would for sure pick whichever uh, Bears running back is in. As I mentioned before, the Vikings are not very good at defense. Um, also, it's probably the safest floor out of all those options, Montgomery or no. As the Washington football team is ranked quite high against running backs. In fact, they are ranked seventh. They only allowed 20.21 fantasy points against running backs. So that would factor into my decision. Uh, it's a tough matchup versus the football team or the Washington football team. It's quite confusing sometimes, I must say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Matt Patricia mind games with somehow on Johnson getting carries. So they have to stop carrying on giving on carries. Uh, Fournette's safe. I like Fournette just because uh, he's been taking snaps away from Ronald Jones. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but I know that since Fournette came back, uh, Ronald Jones uh, plays less snaps than Fournette. They prefer him in the uh, passing game, Fournette. Uh, Though if they get up, it shouldn't be as much of an issue. But I do think this game is going to be a little closer than people think between the Panthers and the Bucks, just because of the Tampa's defense isn't uh, as strong lately. So I think there will be opportunities to score. So... And obviously, we didn't mention Rieger much, but Wentz is getting Jeffrey back. He's getting oh, Sanders. Sanders. Yeah, so that's just less targets for Rieger, who's a rookie who hasn't really played much and probably doesn't have the playbook down. I don't think a chance Rieger unless you are really desperate for a huge game because the Giants probably allow huge games to wide receivers. I would go Fournette, uh, Davis on volume again, and uh, Montgomery or uh, Nall, who I would definitely pick up if you need Montgomery. All right, sounds good. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I think that's it for me. Um, good, uh, good show, and I'm looking forward to the games this weekend. Yep, sounds good. I'm excited to uh, see how these games play out too. It was a great show, Evan.
it's nice uh, talking to you about these uh, fantasy matchups. And uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, we hope you all have a wonderful weekend. A happy Friday the 13th. And we'll speak to you all on Tuesday. See you, everyone.